Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Special directions to the Sunday school teachers. I would like the teen class and the oldest, the oldest kid class to come out at the altar call. This service is dedicated to Pentecost and to getting the Holy Ghost. So if we've got anybody that needs it, we want you to know today is a day to receive the gift of God. It is a wonderful gift. Praise God. I was teaching the Bible study Saturday morning and I was talking about if a millionaire died and left you all of his money in his will, would you upon hearing the news that all of this benefit was coming to you say, I'm sorry, I don't want that. I don't need that. Anybody can't use that? Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is the gift of heaven. The gift of Jesus. Who doesn't need that? Praise God. Praise God. All right. If you have your Bible, you will turn with me this morning to the book of Acts, the 10th chapter. And I will begin reading at verse number 1, Acts chapter 10, verse 1. We want to say again, welcome to our visitors today. They're friends of Tim and Des Smith. They're apostolic folks, UPC people. God bless them. And uh, also works in the Navy. So uh, we thank him for his service to the country. Praise God. All right. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a satirian of the band called the Italian Band. You know, got any Italians in the house? A devout man and one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God all the time. He saw in the vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming to him and saying to him, Cornelius! And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. I want you to know there was a need, and there was an answer, and there were directions. But important to directions is someone to follow them. Uh, we've been talking about leadership training. A lot of talk is going on about leadership training, training people to lead. And I thought, well, my God, we've got enough leaders. What we need is followership training, people to follow directions, follow the leadership they have, and, and uh, imitate that and do. Amen. This man, if he had stopped there, would have received nothing. But the next two verses say, When the angel spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Let's give God a big hand praise right now for the word. Thank you for the word of the Lord today. Thank you for the word of the Lord today. We ask you bless it, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you. Shake up your hands as you're being seated. Greet someone. Welcome them to the house of God. 
I want to say, as we begin today, thank you to Sister Jenny Cunningham, our Creative Ministries Team Director, for the outstanding job done on the skits. Weren't they wonderful? Amen. The children got to be in a play where they could really show what they had, and I'm impressed. Amen. I'm impressed with all of it. They all did great, and wasn't there a great message in all of that? Well, today is Pentecost Sunday. I want to talk to you about the man who was hungry for God. Hallelujah. Last Friday morning, we received a phone call. It came a little after 8 in the morning, and we don't usually receive calls at that hour. So I thought as my wife answered the phone, this can't be good. Pastors sort of learned to dread phone calls that fall outside of the usual business hours because so often it's news that can't wait, meaning it's usually bad news. So uh, we pastors, we, we get a conditioned reflex action. Adrenaline starts to kick in. We're preparing our mind and our ears to hear some bad news. We're expecting the worst. But it wasn't going to be bad news Friday morning. I listened to my wife said, yes, he's here. I'll get him for you. And uh, I picked up the phone, preparing to hear the bad news. But the moment I heard the voice, I could tell by the inflection and the voice and the words and the person who was calling me, my Bible study, Michael, calling me, that this was going to be good news. In fact, I knew the moment he spoke with that inflection what he was about to tell me. And uh, he was on the other end and he pre proceeded to tell me one of those guess what stories about how he was praying Thursday night, the night before, and as he was praying and saying, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, suddenly he began to have stammering lips. And then it went to speaking in other tongues for over an hour. Speaking in other tongues and changing languages all the time while he was praying in tongues. And he wanted, couldn't wait, couldn't wait to call me first thing Friday morning to tell me the good news that he had gotten the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Holy Ghost can be received any time. I know people got the Holy Ghost driving down the road praying and got to speaking in tongues and had to pull over beside the road and put it in car and just get blessed. Hallelujah. You get the Holy Ghost in your shower. You get the Holy Ghost at the kitchen sink washing dishes. You get the Holy Ghost in your bedroom, your living room. Amen. Your dining room. You can get the Holy Ghost while somebody's blessing the food. Amen. Anytime you're ready, God's ready to give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. Modern Pentecost has grown at a staggering rate. And uh, ever since its recognized advent 114 years ago, but even as it seems that it's reaching its high point of dissemination, uh, it is at the same time, it seems to be losing its steam, losing its power, losing its punch. In a book review written by Bishop David Bernard on scholarship on Pentecostalism, Brother Bernard quotes and says that the, lo the loss of social separation and holiness practices decline, a decline in the teaching of, of key Christian disciplines, 
and preaching of the distinctive Pentecostal doctrines, the pragmatic use of current popular music trends and movement away from participatory worship, the decline of supernatural experiences, the adoption of a lesser view of the experience of conversion, have all contributed, according to this author, have all contributed uh, to a decline in Pentecostalism. Says one of the authors uh, that he hadn't heard a message on spirit baptism from the pulpit in 20 years. Quote, many contemporary churches affiliated with classical Pentecostal denominations have become doctrinally bland in their attempts to catch the biggest market share and not offend potential parishioners. The essential question is why have classical Pentecostals stopped practicing and teaching about tongues and other charismata? He goes on to quote Stephen Land in this book who, who describes how many churches in essence have become filling stations, circuses, nightclubs, or mere schools. He noted a, a decline in spirit baptism, in tongues, in manifested spiritual gifts as churches seek respectability and social accommodation. According to Darren, David Roebuck and Darren Rogers, Pentecostals are in danger of being swamped by cultural and religious fads and fashions in various quarters. Respectability has replaced consecration. Relevance has become more important than holiness, and Pentecostals' distinctive testimony has been obscured. This great tradition that we have received that comes directly from the Word of God, the teaching of the Scriptures, and is an outprocessing of people whose spiritual hunger for God was so great that they went back to the pages of the Bible, stared down eons and millennia of history and church activity to find again the lost treasure in the house of God, the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues and all the power and the anointing that comes with it. They dared to believe they could receive it and did receive it because they were hungry and seeking for something that church couldn't give them, that tradition couldn't give them, that denominations couldn't give them, that religious practice couldn't give them. It takes a relationship with God that is personal to be able to experience the blessing that comes from within. That fits so well with Michael's experience since he got the Holy Ghost. He's been going through a difficult personal time, as you know, with his wife being so very sick. And uh, he has sought comfort in a nearby church that offers a prayer group that meets frequently of a morning. And uh, he will meet with them and try to just, you know, get a little strength to get through the day. And they'll come over to the house and they'll pray with his wife. But it's a very laid-back kind of prayer, very quiet, traditional sort of a prayer. And since uh, he got the Holy Ghost... And he's been praying with his wife and speaking in tongues. And uh, you, when you really get the Holy Ghost, there's something that's just a powerful energy that wants to come out. It wants to burst out. In fact, the word power, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, is from the Greek word dunamos, which, from which we get the modern word dynamite. It is the root word for dynamite. You shall receive dynamite after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Hallelujah. You're going to get power. How do you restrain that power? Huh? How do you tap it? 
How do you hold it back? I tell you what, it's a dangerous thing to attempt to restrain power. For the more that you attempt to restrain it and hold it in, the greater its potential to explode and do damage is. You cannot put the new wine in old wineskins because it's fermenting. It's got gas. It's going to bubble out. It's going to blow up. If you do try to hold it in, it'll blow up. You cannot hold the Holy Ghost back. The Holy Ghost had no sooner hit the planet on the day of Pentecost in the upper room than verse 5 of Acts chapter 2 says, And this was noised abroad. No sooner do we hear that they all spoke with tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance that the next thing says, When this was noised abroad. You can't get the Holy Ghost. Amen. Uh, silently. It's got to be a vocal expression. And your tongue is going to be used. And out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. How do you stop the flow of a river full of water? You don't stop it. So his charismatic friends, his so-called tongue talkers among them, you know, they'll say, well, we've got a few people in our church that talk in tongues. So we've got tongue talkers. But they admonished him to tone it down. Don't pray so loud. Tone it down. He's praying beside his sick wife, desperate for God to do a miracle and healing. And they're tapping him on the shoulder and telling him to tone it down. And rightfully, he's getting disgusted. Hallelujah. And I want to talk to him. And I talked to him and I said, you know what? I said, those people over there, they're Pentecostal light. Kind of like bug light, you know. That's what I call them, Pentecostal light. That's what we got today, is a lot of Pentecostal light churches and people. But this old church is going to stay full of the Holy Ghost. We're going to keep it burning. Hallelujah. We're going to keep preaching it. Hallelujah. You've got to find the right place to get the Holy Ghost. Amen. There's a place where you can get it. And of course, if you're really hungry, you can get it any place to be the right place. But there are places that will help you to get the Holy Ghost. And one of those is a church that believes in speaking in tongues and that it's important and it's necessary. And it's a gift from God for people to get the Holy Ghost. If you're in one of those churches, you are already miles down the road toward receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because you've got a support system. You've got people there that are going to back you up and help you as you pray and seek the Lord. ZZ Hill used to sing a song that the night time is the right time to fall in love used to be we'd had Sunday morning and Sunday night services, and it seemed like the Sunday night services were the evangelistic services. They were the ones where things just really broke loose. You know, we, we kind of lost our Sunday morning crowd, our wake-up, you know, uh, didn't get enough coffee uh, crowd, and, and now we're primed and pumped and we're ready to have church, and that's when it seemed like people get the Holy Ghost. It could be any time. It doesn't have to be the night time. But it has to be no time like now, as a cliche says, no time like right now. Amen. And that's closer to the truth because the Bible says today, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. And Paul was told by Ananias as he was being prayed for, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. There's no time like right now to get right with God. 
In fact, right now is the only time we know for sure we have to make the connection with the Lord is right now. Why put it off to a better day? Why put it off to a hotter service? Why put it off to another time? Why not just say, God, fill me. I'm ready. I want you. I want the Holy Ghost. You cannot believe how anxious Jesus is for you to receive the Holy Ghost. John 1, 12 and 13 said, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John 3, 5, Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. There's an anxiety of Jesus that you get the Holy Ghost. John 4 and 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, then who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. John 7, 37-39, in that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But what was he talking about? But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. We got any believers in the house? You believe Jesus Christ is the Savior? He alone can save. The cross of Christ alone can provide salvation. Christianity is the only message. It's the only hope. If you believe Jesus is the answer, then why don't you go ahead and get the power that he promised you could have by believing on him? Question of belief. In between the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, just days before Jesus ascended into heaven, Jesus was gathered together with his disciples in the upper room in John 20 and 22, and he said, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now we know that they had not gotten the Holy Ghost yet, because Acts 1 and 4 Tell, he, he has just moments before he's ascending into heaven. He says, tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the power from on high. So he didn't give them the Holy Ghost just because they breathed on him. The Catholic priest not going to give you the Holy Ghost by smacking you in the face or blowing breath upon you. Hallelujah. You've got to get the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. Once it gets inside, there will be changes. And you'll know it, and everyone else around you will know it. And before very long, your very world will know it, because there's a power inside of you that wants to speak it out to other people. <laughs> Hallelujah. Luke 24 and 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. Acts 1 and 8, the Bible said this, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Acts 2 and 4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. That's the first time that the promise became a reality. Up until this time, Jesus was anxious for them to get it. Everything he did was so that people could receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He didn't die on the cross just so you could believe on him. 
He didn't die on the cross just so you could say, I've said a sinner's prayer and I accept Christ as my Savior in my heart. He didn't die on the cross just so you could say, it's a matter of faith in my head. He died on the cross. He went back to heaven with the express purpose in mind to send the Comforter back. What is the Comforter? John 14, 26, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Who is he? The Spirit of truth that dwells with you and shall be in you. He did it so you can get the Holy Ghost. It's about getting the Holy Ghost. If you do everything the Bible says and fail to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you missed it all. You missed the most important thing. You missed the great benefit of heaven. It is the gift of God to men. Then Peter said unto them, here's where it comes down to everyone else. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise, this promise, this same promise that Jesus gave us is for you, for your children, all that are afar off. And everybody the Lord is calling to Him. Nobody gets away. Nobody gets out of it. There is no excuse. There is no cutoff point. There was no, that was then and this is now. If you want to be in a church, that's a church. Get in the Holy Ghost church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I put this article by a brother. Dr. Clay Johnson, Jackson, Dr. Clay Jackson. See, a doctor in the United Pentecostal Church. And there's some research on prayer, tongues, and the brain that talks about. It said, recent advances have allowed us to learn a great deal about the brain's function through the SPECT, the SPECT, scanning and other techniques. And the question to the doctor is, do any of these findings have religious or spiritual implications? And the doctor answers in the affirmative, <clears throat> referencing the work of Dr. Andrew Newberg, who holds an appointment in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Pittsburgh. And he says, in this early experiment, Newberg used this SPECT scanning to measure brain activity in two religious groups. Franciscan nuns were praying a centering prayer. And Pentecostals were speaking in tongues. They do what Pentecostals do. And so what was discovered? It was discovered that the nuns showed an increased activity in the frontal lobes of the brain, the area that's associated with attentiveness and focus to a task and to the exertion of personal control. That's where the nuns' activity, brain activity was. And uh, that makes sense because <clears throat> they were focusing on their prayer there. The women speaking in tongues showed a decrease in frontal lobe activity. And uh, the, the uh, reason for that is our theology has always been that in order to speak in tongues, it's necessary to yield to the Holy Spirit which allows the personal will to diminish. And the frontal lobe is the area of the brain where personality is centered. That's where your will and your self-control, your self is. And so it makes sense that activity would decrease in that area if one 
is deliberately surrendering uh, to a personal control of God. The nuns also showed an increase in activity in the language center of the right hemisphere because their prayers were language-oriented. But uh, did the tongue talkers show this change? The answer is no, and an amazing part of the study. Even though they were speaking and their vocalizations were highly complex, the language center was not engaged, indicating that their speech was processed from a different source other than human speech. That seems, hallelujah, hallelujah. That squares very well with Acts 2 and 4 because speech is occurring, but it's not coming from the individual. It is, it is, although it's being performed by the individual, it's not coming by the individual. Hallelujah. That's the power of the Holy Ghost and the mystery of speaking in tongue and the science of what's going on when somebody yields to the Spirit of God and the power of God comes on them. Now you, they say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And you cannot feed the satisfied man. If he's already satisfied, you're not going to feed him. There's a lot of people in this world that are not living for God, and they're happy with what they're doing. They're satisfied with their lifestyle. They're satisfied, basically, with what's going on in their life. There's not a hunger inside of them. Phoebe was telling me yesterday about a 13-year-old cousin. He's 13 years old. And uh, his family split up. His mom uh, got with him, a Jehovah Witness guy, and so he's been, been raised in Jehovah Witness. He's read the Bible three times. He's 13. He's read the Bible through three times. How many of you have read the Bible through once? And he told her the other day, he did not was not with her, but a minute when he started to talk about religion and the Bible and God and Phoebe's experience, and he said, I'm having my doubts about the Jehovah Witnesses. He's hungry to know the Lord. 13 years old. There's some people in this life. Now, I wouldn't say he's a bad sinner. He's a kid. What chances he had to really get into it? But there's something inside of him that wants God. And there can be something inside of you that wants God. No matter what, I want God. Wherever he is, let me find him. I'm searching. I'm hungry. If you don't want God, you won't find him. You can trip over him and you wouldn't see him. He can fall on you and bust your head open and you wouldn't know what hit you if you're not looking for God. Some of us get saved out of pure chance because we got married to somebody or born into somebody's family who was looking for God, who was hungry for God when we weren't. Hallelujah. And if it had been left up to us on our own, we'd have gone straight to hell. We'd be hell-bound today. But we got lucky. Somebody got blessed. And we got along with it. And we're thankful we got saved. There's people with a real hunger for God. My mother-in-law was one of those ladies that had a hunger for God. Her hunger for God was so great, she switched to all the churches in town trying to find a church. She read in her Bible. She you know somebody's hungry for God when they pick up the Bible and read it all on their own. 
They're not doing it because of a program. They're not doing it because of a church. They're not doing it because somebody told them they should do it. They just are doing it because they're hungry. Something in there has got an answer. Got to be an answer in here somewhere. Got to be an answer in here. This great book about God. There's got to be something in here that will help me to understand about him. So she read and found where they baptized people in Jesus' name. In the book of Acts, and she was studying it. She found that people were baptized in Jesus' name, and she wanted that. And she went to her pastor and said, sorry, we don't do that here. So she changed church after church and pastor after pastor, went all around town trying to find a pastor that would baptize her in Jesus' name. And she couldn't find any of them. None of them would do it. None of them. But an ad in the paper put out by our pastor... Uh, talk about being baptized in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God knows what He's doing. Let me tell you, whether there's a Cornelius anywhere, God knows where that person is. God knows where the hungry are. He knows where they are. Hallelujah. Amen. I could talk about it in name names. Hallelujah. Well, long and short of it was, she called Pastor Stanley Hamby up and said, Will you baptize me and my family in Jesus' name? He said, Yes, I will. They made the appointment. The first thing that they did when they got there was get baptized. And my wife was the first one to get baptized out of all that family. And she was 14 years old. And if the pastor and, the, and, and they had prayed with her right there in the tank, she would have got the Holy Ghost in the water. She was that close to the Holy Ghost. But there's something about hunger. It was passed down from mother to daughter. Hallelujah. It can be passed down from father to son. Or you can just find it in your own. My dad was hungry for God. An 18-year-old alcoholic in the Navy. And he would fall asleep drunk every night praying, God, if you're there, show yourself to me. Help me to find you. Hallelujah. And one day God put a Pentecostal boy in his bunk as his bunkmate. He went on the ship and he invited him to Pentecostal church. And it was all there from that point on. Hallelujah. If you're hungry, God will find you. God will find you. Sister Mary Ann Wright sitting over there, lived upstairs in the apartment where we've started our church in Troy, New York, Lansingburg. We started in the downstairs apartment. We were having service on Sunday morning, making all kind of noise. She heard the noise and wanted to find out what's going on. Well, we're having church down there. Well, can I come? She's been coming ever since. She was one of the first people to get the Holy Ghost in our church when it was in the living room on Fifth Avenue in Troy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God will honor the hunger. He'll honor the thirst. I talked to you about Brother John Heller a couple Sundays ago. He was a Catholic going to church five, six days a week, seven days a week, going to morning mass before work. He and his wife trying to connect with God, trying to save their marriage, trying to pull their life together. Uh, uh, and some Pentecostal boys went to work with him, and he heard them talking about the Bible and God, and got in a conversation. They told him about the Holy Ghost and brought him to church. Invited him to take a Bible study. Well, it took a little while before he would agree to come. But he finally came on a Sunday. Hallelujah. And that was the Sunday I preached on his favorite Bible story about Mary and Martha. As soon as I was done preaching, he came charging from down there, running. He ran. Flew himself across the platform. And within ten minutes was speaking in other tongues as a spirit. If you're hungry, God will give it to you. But you cannot feed a satisfied man. You can only feed a hungry man or woman. 
Cornelius was hungry for God. He wasn't in the right time. He wasn't in the right place. He wasn't in the right church. He wasn't in the right nation. He wasn't part of the right race of people. He didn't have any inside help. Hallelujah. But he had something that made him want God so bad. God couldn't turn away any longer. The man who was hungry for God. The man who was hungry for God. And God told him how to find a preacher. You can't be saved without a preacher. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible tells us how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Behold how beautiful are the size elevens of a preacher who preaches the gospel. Feet are about the ugliest part of your body, but the Bible said the preacher that got you to heaven. Why, his feet are beautiful enough to kiss. They're beautiful. Hallelujah. Don't disrespect the man of God that preaches you. Whatever you do, don't let anything get between you and your shepherd. Don't let anybody or anything or any issue or any attitude get between you and the man of God. Because God said, he's beautiful. And while he was preaching, while he was doing his thing, he didn't know what to expect. A lot of services we show up to, we don't know what will happen in that service, but only God knows. While he yet spoke the word, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they began to speak with other tongues. Hallelujah. And Peter said, can any man forbid water that they should not be baptized who received the Holy Ghost? Just like we did, because we hear them speaking in tongues. The right time is before the altar call is even given. The right time is before the worship service is even over. The right time is any time that you can't stand it any longer until he fills you with the Holy Ghost. Because you can't stop a hungry man or woman from getting God's Spirit. You can't stop them from getting it. They're going to get it. shared this before, but this is a very great story, and I want to share it again. One of our, one of our ladies, Amy King, went to China, and uh, her experience here in China said, one afternoon, I needed a few moments to myself to clear my head and unwind. So when we finally got some downtime, I decided to take a walk. On my way out the door, something told me to grab my bag, and I realized now it was the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I had intended to walk a straight line so I wouldn't get lost. But when I got to a fork in the road, I heard a voice telling me, go left. It wasn't an audible voice. I heard it like a thought in my head, but I knew it was the Lord, so I went left. I walked a bit further, and again, I felt a prompting to take another left, so I did. Then I felt I should just walk straight for a while. And after a bit, I walked by a woman sitting on a bench, and she called out to me. Migrin! Migrin! Which means American, American. At first, I didn't pay attention because it had happened several times during the trip. People would point us out and call us 
foreigner or colorless American simply because they were so surprised to see Westerners in rural China. But a woman later, the woman called me in English, Miss! I stopped. She spoke with a thick accent, so I had to strain to understand. But she said, Miss, are you a missionary? Or are you here for your company? I was surprised by the question. But I said, I'm here with my company. She really looked disappointed and just said, okay, okay. And I almost kept walking, but something about the disappointment in her voice stopped me. I asked why she wanted to know. She said, your dad told me come here, wait on bench till missionary come. At this, I was taken aback. The spirit had also prompted me to go there by taking these left turns. So I sat down next to her on the bench. I figured she must have had some Christian understanding because she used the word missionary. She also seemed to associate this word with Americans because of how she called out to me and because she said, your God. This woman didn't know anything about me, so for her to say, your God was interesting. So I asked her if there was something she wanted to know. And without hesitating, she said, yes. Did the Americans take their God from the Jewish God? There was a man named Abraham, and the Jewish God promised him a lot of children and promised he would inherit the blessings of God, right? Why do Americans think they can have this God and they are not from Abraham? Didn't the Jewish God make this promise to Abraham's family? I realized this was an important question because she wasn't really asking me about Americans. She wanted to understand the rights and privileges of the child of God and how they got extended to Gentiles. Somehow, somewhere, she had had some teaching, but it was incomplete. And I felt she was longing to be part of God's family. But if Americans didn't have a right to this God, then logically, she wouldn't have a right either. I had my Bible in my bag. I wanted to take it out and show us some things in the scriptures, but teaching the Bible outside government-sanctioned three-self-church is illegal. And there are many places in China where it's still dangerous to openly reveal your Christianity. They especially frown on proselytizing, and an American would be arrested if they were to bring their Bible out and publicly share it. <clears throat> I wondered how I could share the Bible with her in a way that wouldn't put us in jeopardy. And then I had an idea. I pulled out my phone, and I had an online version of the Bible in English and Chinese on my phone. If some of them were to see her looking at a phone, they wouldn't think anything of it. So I started scrolling through Galatians, and I was looking. I knew I was looking for that book, and wasn't sure where the verse was, and finally I found it, Galatians 3.29, if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the prophets. I read it aloud in English, and, uh, and then switched it to the Chinese to let her read it for herself. I explained, if you belong to Christ, to Jesus, then God sees you as a descendant of Abraham, and you get the same privileges and blessings. Anyone, American, French, Korean, Chinese, anyone could be a seed of Abraham, you just have to belong to Christ. I told her, that belonging to Jesus is where the real blessing lies. And I asked her if she belonged to Jesus, and she looked around nervously and began to whisper, telling me she had started going to a church in her friend's house. But she said the problem was they only had a small portion of the Bible, and that portion that they had was the part that talked about Abraham. So she thought maybe we stole the Jewish God. And she said, I know they sell Bibles in the city, but it's too far, and it's controlled by the government, and the people here can't afford to go to the city and get them. So we just read about Abraham over and over. At that moment, I knew exactly why I was there. I gave her the Chinese Bible in my bag. And when I was packing for a trip, on a whim, I threw that Bible in, in, along with my regular Bible. 
And I thought I might have an opportunity to witness to someone we'd have a Bible to look at. It didn't occur to me that this would happen on a public bench. I hesitatingly told the woman I had something for her. She didn't know what I had, but as I was reaching to my bag, she said, no, 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 you don't need to give me anything. However, once I pulled out the Bible and handed it to her, her eyes got wide. She hastily seized it and hid it under her skirt. Then she looked around to make sure no one was watching and pulled it back out. She held it to her face. She kissed it. Then she clutched it tightly to her chest, holding it in her arms. She quickly hid it under her skirt again and with tears in her eyes said, Oh, Mirgrin, Mirgrin, I knew you would come. I knew you would come. We talked for a few more minutes. I briefly told her about the church and the book of Acts and how she should be baptized in Jesus' name. I worried how she would remember everything I told her. Who would explain the necessity of repentance? Who would remind her to be baptized in the name of Jesus and not the titles? Who would teach her she needed to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? The answer came quickly. Jesus would. A God who was willing to send someone halfway around the world to put a Bible in a hungry person's hand is willing, is able to handle the task of giving her revelation on Acts 2.38, salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to tell you. Let's be standing together. We're standing together. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you are hungry for God, you don't have to go far to find him. In fact, you don't really even have to find him because his eyes are searching the whole world over looking for you. He's looking for you and he's already found you. He's found you and he's brought you here today. He's put you in a church that still believes in getting the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. He's giving you this church, this preacher, this house of God, this place of worship where you can be insulated and secure, where you can find the right time and the right place and the right means to get the Holy Ghost. And I wonder if there's anyone here that wants to come forward right now and say, I want God. I want the Holy Ghost. I'm ready to get the Holy Ghost on Pentecost Sunday. I'm coming to pray. I want it. Fill me with the Holy Ghost, Lord. Give me the Holy Ghost. Give me the Holy Ghost. We got any children, any teenagers in the house that need to get the Holy Ghost. Now is the time to come. Amen. Now is the time to come and pray and to receive God on this Pentecost Sunday. Hallelujah. Today is a day to get the Holy Ghost. For it was first poured out on this day over 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. You can get the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's gather around the altar.